filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I was riding uh, the bike with my uh, almost five-year-old daughter today, and I, I can't. We we were on the mall, and she, we were looking at the monument and the Capitol. And she said, "And I see things behind the monument." And I said, "Yeah, Noe, that's uh, that's Virginia. That that's a part of Virginia called Rosslyn." And she said, "Virginia's across the river. DC and Maryland are friends, and they don't like Virginia." Because they just want to be friends with each other. And I was like, yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, actually, I didn't just say, let's go with that. I said, that's going to be on the podcast tonight. Well, she she has uh, some interest in podcasting herself, if my understanding is correct. Yeah, she and her mom might eventually do some kind of mother-daughter podcast. Mm. It'll be fun. I'm sure I'll mention it here if and when it happens. Um, but, but her conception of, because there's a river between DC and Virginia and not between DC and Maryland, then I'm sorry, but, but Virginia is not our friend. Do we have Ben? Oh yes, you do. Okay. Not dignifying this with a response. I, I just feel like Virginia is always the the butt of all jokes on on, on in in the in the DMV uh, discourse. So I mean, I come from on. Indiana. My wife carry comes on. from Kentucky. This we, has nothing to do with that. Indiana. This has nothing to do with Kentucky. But Ben, I think it's mostly because you're stuck exposed to me on a frequent basis. Okay. Yeah, Jason was the one I thought of before I thought of you, Ben. <laughs> on that, anyway. as it always has been. I'm always thought of last. Well, this got into a very <laughs> interesting, unintended place from the cute story about my kid. Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and State Rivalry and Introspection podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. Sorry, Ben. Joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from Black and Red United. Sounds like you're trying to you're trying to Zlatan an apology to me, and I do not accept your Zlatan <laughs> you're, apology. You're gonna come you're, in your locker room and throw ben, my arm over you. Ben, and Ben, are you are you doing an Onuoha? <laughs> I am. Nice. Well, too bad. I already have the picture that I'm going to use for marketing purposes, turning haters into my fans. So you're just admitting you're the LA Galaxy. You're just even more terrible now. <laughs> I'm not even going to. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, all right. Uh, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Jason, uh, say goodbye, Jason. <laughs> Calling it. Uh, this is going to be uh, great news for everyone that wants the show to be like a five minute show. <laughs> Congratulations to you guys. I was thinking I was ready to get into the show and, you know, get, get things and then going. Then he became Zlatan. <laughs> Are you saying that I dared to Zlatan? No, I'm not. <laughs> you sure I think you just became him. 
Yeah, you stumbled into a Zlatan rather than daring to become. <laughs> I, I feel like an accidental Zlatan is even more difficult to pull off. So Worse. <laughs> We're all from blackandredunited.com where we cover not the LA Galaxy, not Zlatan, but... DC United, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, the Black and Red fell on the road to Minnesota, their first road loss of the year, one nothing up in the Twin Cities. We're going to break it down. We also have some player news to kind of dive into in the first segment. After the break, we will bring on a friend of ours to help us preview DC's upcoming visit from the Columbus Crew, no longer Columbus Crew SC, I believe, um, which is good news for everyone involved uh they they saved the crew and we're going to talk about the crew in the second segment before we do anything though benjamin what are you drinking i am just drinking a whiskey sour i was gonna go more into a lot a story but we gotta get we gotta go (laughs) move 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 can you at least say the the whiskey you're drinking no As I drag my feet to punish Ben <laughs> for his intransigence. And now I ask Jason what he is drinking. Uh, over the weekend, I came into possession of some cans of Miller High Life because I was the person willing to take them. And so I'm now drinking, how that works. Is this I'm like me? Some High Life. Is this like me taking my dad's? Uh, my dad always buys uh, Dos Equis for unknown reasons. So is this similar? Kind of. You just have to drink it because you don't want it to go to waste. Yeah, I mean, there's other um, the other people there generally don't casually drink very much at all. I think I might have mentioned on the show um, doing a whiskey tasting with three people who have a drink, you know, on you know, maybe one or two drinks most evenings. And then one guy who had had um, no more than one beer in a single sitting in 2019. And then he engaged in this whiskey tasting with us and got very drunk. This wasn't that, but it's a similar kind of, you know, I just don't, you know, find myself ever getting to drinking beer. So I'm not going to bring them home and crowd the refrigerator. Uh, so I'm not going to take them. And then before you know it, I'm standing there and it's like, well, you know, I hate waste. Um, <laughs> so... I'm going to take these high lifes home with me and I'm going to drink them slowly, but surely. So Miller high life out of a can for the earth, the way, the way, uh, the high life God intended. <laughs> he intended it to be very, um, what's the word? Uh, un- not unwillingly, but hesitantly. What is the word, Adam? I don't know. I'm lost on it. I'm exhausted tonight. I am really, really tired. I may, in fact, have dozed off before the recording of this show and woke up to to record. So, uh, words hard tonight. It's going to be a good show, you guys. I am drinking DC Brow's Joint Resolution Hazy IPA, uh, which is pretty good. It's a it's a juicy kind of ice IPA. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's not overly hoppy for for the style it's not trying to beat you over the head with it um and it 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 tastes like it probably should i think and it's it's pretty good so i'm happy with it Uh, i think it's a relatively new product from from dc brow but it's it joins their i think they they replaced their belgian ipa the citizen with this so um yeah it's it's a good beer i i don't think it is because the citizen was very good so i don't want anything to replace it Wait, citizen or yeah, citizen. The, what you said, 
So yeah, I think I it was know. the citizen. The public is their regular pale ale, right? And the corruption is their IPA. So yeah, the the citizen. It was good. It was very good. I, I guess it just didn't move as as much. So they're they're both good. This one's not quite as capitalism uh, also bad. Belgiany and and all that. Yeah, yeah. If they made too much and it went to waste, that's not good either, though. So, shall we talk soccer? Uh, nah. <laughs> well, I will say the good news is that DC United finished the month of April in first place in MLS's Eastern Conference. So, yay, that. Uh, vamos, etc. The bad news is they took their first road loss of the season to close the month, falling in Minnesota on Sunday, one nothing to the Loons. Late cross shot that managed to to find its way in after a striker kind of ran over it, and uh, Donovan Pines wasn't able to to deflect it off of the frame, and it found its way past uh, a frozen, a legitimately, and you know blamelessly frozen bill hamid um the score at that point probably should have been one to one but dc united had a goal uh somewhat controversially taken off after a var uh found that frederick briant had impeded the jump of vito manone minnesota's keeper on donovan pines what should have been donovan pines first career goal um a lot of things were happening on on the review. If you look at a still, it looks like Briant is possibly pulling down on Manone's shoulder, but you watch the video and it, it doesn't look like that's the case. And in any event, there is somebody pushing down with both hands on Briant, a defender pushing down on him to get leverage on him. So it's a weird case where if you call a foul on uh, Briant, I don't know how you don't also call the penalty for the foul committed or that he suffered at the same time. So it it was a very strange call and I I disagree and possibly the worst part of it, even worse than, than taking the goal off the board was uh, erasing Donovan Pine's first career goal and the celebration that came after it. Cause that was some unbridled joy, you guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is that he is going to score again. Um, He's very Pines, tall and he can jump very high. You're stealing my bit, Adam. My bit is he is tall. I also said he can jump very high, Ben. No, that is my bit. Step back. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. In Jason, any case, continue. The, the call itself sucked. Uh, it's a bad call. It's it's just not competent officiating. Um, Briant puts his arm out to sort of feel for contact. He never actually looks at Manone at any point. Um, Manone is crouched to jump up, which is a normal human motion, but he goes up and under Briant's arm, which sort of rides up his shoulder. And he doesn't really ever have a chance to push down the way a human being would push down on a shoulder. And also, uh, since we're in a biomechanical, uh, sort of realm here, Go ahead and try to use your arm at full, you know, full st- extension over your head. Try and see how much strength you have as compared to how much your two legs have. Um, and now imagine you have professional goalkeeping legs uh, and you'll kind of get a feel for the difference in strength here. Um, the thing that Manone claimed after the game that Briant was holding him down and that he couldn't jump is physically impossible. Um 
that's he might just the, be bad at jumping. Right. He made a bad play and arrived. He, he, he was just saying in general, he can't jump um, at, at any time. He is unable right. to jump. I mean, maybe that's the problem. Um, but yeah, he made a bad read on the play. He tried to come out into a crowd of guys that are bigger and stronger than him. Uh, he got a late start on top of that. He never, he never had a chance at the ball, but more importantly, um, he wasn't fouled. There was no foul committed by Briant or anyone else against Vito Manone. Uh, the goal should have stood. I think it's, it's crystal clear to the point that I, like I was mad at the time and now I'm like, that call's so bad. I can't even, you know, what can you do? Um, when, the refereeing in the league hands you this. You just sometimes you just have to get on with it because there's no workaround. And it's so bad that like, yes, everything Jason just said is a hundred percent correct, but it's also bad in the sense that even if Vito Minone had a clear jump, had uh, springs in his shoes and maybe even had a jetpack. There was no way he was ever, ever getting to that ball because Donovan Pines is too tall, too can jump too well, and had already hit the ball before Vito Minone was even getting to it. So there was no way he was getting to it in any way, shape, or form. I, I guess the only thing I'll add, I, I am a little frustrated that DC didn't score a different set-piece goal during the course of the game. Oh, because, that's, a, that's a whole other thing, yes, yeah, for sure. Um, because as the broadcast correctly pointed out a couple of times, this was the best set piece team in the league against the worst set piece defense in the league. And you shouldn't, even if you can't do anything else in that game, if all you can do is create free kicks and corners, that should have been enough. Yeah. I mean, that, that gets into the, what I felt as like the raggedness of the play of the offensive, uh, the offensive play of DC United is they, they should have had more opportunities, more clear cut chances, but they just weren't as clean as they should have been throughout the game. And this was their one really, really good chance. And it, it should have been a goal, but they should have been able to score in the first they half alone, have, two or three more goals. Yeah. They shouldn't have one really good chance right? Exactly. In, against Minnesota. Um, and it's weird. Right. And this is, okay, go ahead, th- th- this has actually been a theme over the, you know, the super compressed month of April where they had six games and what, 23 games, too, too or, many games. Yeah. Too many games in too few days. I, I do think it was six and 23 days. Um, and, and a lot of those games did not involve much going forward for DC United. They had the three in Colorado, but all in an eight minute span. And other than that, didn't create a bunch had to hold on in the second half. Uh, obviously fatigues are an issue Injuries are an issue, and we'll get into that later in the segment. Um, Lucho not being his unplayable self, also part of the problem. But at, at some point, we have to accept that this may be the Lucho that we have right now if things don't change. So I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. Yeah. A, I, I think- a is the, the, the cause of all this or, the, you know, what causes can be addressed and, and what DC United can and should do because we've had formation changes. We've had player personnel uh, rotate through to at least some extent uh, players at different positions and nothing seems to be changing. Yeah, I think I was briefly a proponent of sticking with the the uh, the three, four, two, one. Uh, I, I feel like now I'm more pro. Going back to the four two three one, I think it gets their attacking players more in an attacking role. And DC United has made a move today that uh, will hopefully help address that, and we'll get into that in a bit. But um, 
I think they're just they're ragged right now. They're playing a formation they didn't really train in the offseason and that they don't really have the formation for. It's worked a couple of times because it's had to, and they've they've got good enough players that they can make a formation that they're not really suited to perform in work. And they're good enough to make that happen, but it's it's this three four two one is not does not uh, maximize their abilities, and so once they get back to the to the formation that they built this whole team around for this season, I think hopefully they'll uh, they'll, they'll perform a little better. Once they have Ariola in the midfield, uh, Rodriguez in the midfield, Acosta in the midfield, uh, this was built on a line of four attackers with two defensive midfielders supporting them. And once they get back to that, I think they'll uh, hopefully be able to get back into the form they showed at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, for this specific game, I think United kind of made a choice that I I don't like it, but I understand it. And I think it has some merit. I just disagree with it. Um, And I think their choice was let's go in and slow this game down with possession because, you know, like Ben said, they looked a little ragged and there was a lot of reaction on Twitter that like that this was some slop fest kind of game, but it was only in the, it was only in the final third. Um, DC completed 85% of their passes. They completed, uh, I think it was 599 total passes. So it was a ton. They had a bunch of possession. Um, it's just that when they got into the final third, the moves kept breaking down and that's, it gives you a little bit of a, like a confirmation bias kind of feeling, um, when the team gets that close and then it doesn't quite work out. Um, so I think in this game, it was a, a tactic that could have worked. I personally would have preferred a, um, the opposite approach. I would have preferred, preferred a let's go at like, my opinion is that Minnesota's defense is more of a liability than their attack is worth worrying about. And I think United should have just rolled the dice on this one and said, we're going to go try and score as many goals as we can. You guys keep up. Um, and I think it would have worked on the day, um, especially with Darwin Cantero being very ineffective before, even before his injury. And I guess we do have to at least pay a nod uh, to the fact that DC effectively cut him out of the game entirely, um, right. which most teams haven't been able to do. So that's good. Um and they only gave up two shots on goal to a team that has scored now 18 goals this season. And the goal was a total fluke uh, that is being credited to the wrong player. Um, <laughs> right. Because I don't want to talk Rodriguez about the goal didn't. briefly. Yeah. But, um, but it, you know, the, the real, you know, the issue here is more of a writ large thing. And I, you know, DC has scored 10, 10 of their 13 goals have been bunched into three games. The Atlanta win, the RSL win, the Colorado win, and and they've played ten, which means in the other seven games they've got three goals. Um, and at that point, you have to start to think that the seven games are more indicative than the three games. Um, and yeah, it, it's a little worrying. I think um, some of it we'll get into this more when we talk about today's trade news, but some of it is what they lost in Joseph Mora and not having a similar but lesser player to plug in there and instead having to change a bunch of things. Um, it reminds me a little of um, the fact that DC can't really high press with any sort of um, vigor anymore. It reminds me a little of last year's playoffs when the Red Bulls lost Kamar Lawrence 
and opted to go into a mid block instead of high press because they were worried about getting caught out by throwing those numbers forward. They didn't have that. Their fastest defender was no longer available. So they said, let's not risk it. And it ended up causing so many other things to go wrong for them. Um, well, and I think it's some uh, another thing that's part of it. And we've talked about this on our back channels, but um Zoltan Stieber is not the same player he was last year, and Zoltan Stieber of last year could sub in for either of the wingers and do a serviceable job doing what they did, but also provide something new and pin the other team back based on his passing and his service, and he's not been able to do any of that this year. So uh, alongside with losing Joseph Mora, on uh, an like a compounding factor is the fact that uh, Zoltan Stieber is ineffective in a way that he wasn't last year. And so he's basically, they've lost another uh, tool off the bench and now they're basically doubly yep. behind off uh, on, he's basically another injured player based on how he's playing. He's, he's playing so poorly that he's basically another injury. It makes Ulysses Segura basically the first man up in the midfield, which means that if you have to rotate Paul Ariola to the back line, you're starting Ulysses Segura in the midfield. And and I like Uli. He's he's a, a workaday player. He's kind of if our longtime listeners and, and readers of the site remember the standard uh, for for uh, Lewis Neal, all caps Lewis Neal at one point. I think it was Stephen King at one point. Chris Corb at one point. Um, I think this year it's Uli Segura and you know, he's, he's a fine player and he, he, you don't necessarily hate it when he's getting minutes, but you want someone better um, getting starts at least and, and getting and, and, significant yeah. minutes. And, and right now, you know, Steber is falling below that standard. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No kidding. Um, you know, without going too far, without spending too much time on it, it just, we know from past games and from his career in Europe that Stieber is a better player than this, but something has, has fallen apart with him within this team. It doesn't look like he's not trying. It just doesn't look like he's got the confidence to impact games anymore. Um, and so, you know, effectively you almost wonder what the point of even getting him into this game was. And I hate to say it because I really like Stieber's game when he's, when he's playing well, but um, 18 game at least, you know, in this particular match, um, I had it up for a second ago. Um, you know, the, the sub, the sub that brought him in just, he came in for Rodriguez and that was it. I almost think it would have been more effective to throw Akeem Ward in as a right wing back and move Ariola further forward. Um, because we know we didn't get anything from Stieber. Um, I also think maybe the best move would have been Ameriqua coming in and Rooney dropping into that spot that Rodriguez had played. Um, but something would have been more effective. I mean, I understand for Olsen, as long as Stieber's still on the team, you've got to find, you've got to try and, you know, spark him somehow, ignite, reignite him. Um, and the best way to do that is always going to be playing time. For any player that isn't playing a lot, what you want to do is play soccer. Uh, that's the thing. Then uh, there's no replacing it. So I understand it from a motivational perspective to give him those minutes but from a pure win winning and losing games perspective he's been so ineffective that i don't know well, yeah. 
I was going to say, how you get him in the games. I was going to say, like at this point, I mean, can you send him to Loudon? No, I don't think so. But I, th- <laughs> I think at this point, yeah, I don't think he would take that too well. No, no but I, I feel not. like at this point, if you you may move him this summer, you may not. But he's playing so poorly right now. You've got to try other things, and uh, he can't get worse uh, playing playing right now. So. I feel like you've just got to try to do things that is going to give you the best chance to win. And maybe Ben Olsen thinks that uh, putting him out there and maybe if he channels his 2018 self, that'll give him the best chance to win, but it's not evident on the field right now. And so I I don't think there's any downside to playing a key Ward or somebody else at this moment, just because we know what uh, Zoltan's done this year and it's, Unfortunately, not great, and I, I like the guy, but it's just not happening for him right now. Yeah, it's it's, been, it's like it's a non-factor. Yeah, if you can somehow get him to play at the level you know he's capable of, then it becomes a very good move. But sure. the evidence suggests that throwing him out there is not accomplishing that at this point, which is unfortunate. Hopefully, yeah. it's been a long time since he made an impact um, not just this season, but going back to last year, um, once he fell out of the rotation, um, it seemed like he either lost confidence or I don't know what, but um, it's been a long time since he had any real tangible impact. I think I'm pulling his game log up now from the league website and his last goal or assist was August 19th uh, in a win at new England. Um yeah, so that's that's a long time ago. Yeah, um, that was early in last year's barrage of a thousand games. So um, that's that's a big problem. Um, but it, you know, that's not the only problem. I mean, United hasn't really gotten much out of Segura. I, they've gotten a lot of work yeah. and a lot of effort, um, but not, not a, lot a lot of yeah. The final product has been lacking, and it, not only that. I mean, he doesn't even have many shot attempts um this i just pulled it up it says four shot attempts two on goal in 407 minutes this season um so he's not really i mean i can't blame him for not doing well at wingback because i don't think he's a wingback um he does not have wingback uh skill sets um so i don't really like right now the fact that he's been kind of ineffective in this in this formation i don't think there's a place for him um except maybe as a defensive sub in one of the two attacking midfield roles late in the game. Um, but yeah, this doesn't suit him and he's doing his best and it's just, um, it's not panning out. Uh, and it's kind of, there's a lot of that going on. Um, a lot of guys that are just a little off. Um, some of it's this, this formation doesn't suit a lot of the players. It's sort of an emergency. Um, right. you know, it's a, it's a like, look, we need to do this to get through until we can get to a point where we can, um, gather ourselves and work on uh plan a or perhaps make a trade to get back to plan a um, and that brings us to our next topic yeah uh some news on the injury plagued left back front steve goff reporting today we're recording this on tuesday uh it is still april as we record it won't be april anymore when you listen to this uh but steve goff reporting that thank you justin timberlake i appreciate you 
Steve Goff reporting that DC United are working a trade for FC Dallas's Marquinhos Pedrosa, a Brazilian TAM level player. Um, and that, that uh, designation may, may actually be important, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, he, he has a reputation as a lockdown defender who, who doesn't quite have the op- offensive chops to play in uh, FC Dallas's new coaches system. He did well last year um, under Pereja, not doing so well under Lucci this year. Um, Jason, what, what, what can you tell us about the, the player? Uh, Pedroso's got a really good uh, pedigree. Uh, he's pl- broke into a first division club in Brazil at 19 years old. Um, he was in the, it's the Figurense, and I'm sure I'm not quite pronouncing that correctly. Um, he was from their academy, so he broke through there, um, became a regular starter, and they started, like a lot of clubs, if you remember, um, um, Rafael Gladiador was a player in a very similar situation where teams were loaning him out just to try and get someone somewhere to pay the transfer, the full transfer fee. Um, and that's kind of the cycle it, it appears that he fell into where his club needed some money. Um, and so they were sending him out on loans, hoping that teams would like what they saw and then pay the fee. Um, he ended up playing in Turkey. Uh, he helped the team avoid relegation in Turkey. The next season he was in Hungary and he almost won a championship. Um, and then he came to Dallas and last season looked like a really good pickup. I mean, not necessarily an all-star, not necessarily a guy that's going to get a ton of attention, but, um, just an extremely solid defender, really well-rounded. Um, he's only 25. He's not slow. Uh, he doesn't have a lengthy injury history. He he's been healthy from what I've read all season with Dallas. Um, so none of those problems. He's, he's maybe not as, um, fast as Mora, maybe not as good on the ball, uh, carrying the ball past defenders as Mora, but, uh, he's not, it's not a big difference. It's not a McCann versus Mora speed difference. It's, it's a much closer thing. So, um, the folks in Dallas have said that he didn't fit the way Gonzalez wants to play, but it's not that he's a bad player at all. It's just he, that Dallas became the wrong spot for him. So, uh, this might be another instance of, Casper finding in uh, market inefficiency and, and taking advantage because apparently if um, Steve Goff's reporting is correct, then uh, Dallas is going to carry the large majority of his salary on their books, which is, you know, that's not bad at all. So uh, I mentioned the potential hiccup. Uh, or I mentioned his, his TAM status being a potential hiccup on this. He was acquired by FC Dallas. We now know through discretionary TAM. And for those of you who don't know what that is, I'm jealous of you because I wish I didn't. But uh, the TAM is basically allocation money that is targeted at players just below the really high-end DP. So players that are above the, the general salary maximum for the roster, but below a million and a half dollars a year. And I think Pedroso is around 300, 330. $1,000 a year. So he's, that would actually be below the the standard or below the, the salary max. So he might be just above uh, once a transfer fee or whatever is, is taken into account. Right. Apparently could, there's, to oh, clarify, I could not find any information about whether or not Dallas had paid a fee or not. Um, transfer market didn't have, they just had a question mark in that space. So um, 
congrats to them and to the Brazilian club for effectively keeping that under wraps, I guess. Yeah. Um, apparently, though, there's also a rule that if a team acquires a player with discretionary TAM, I guess this is to prevent uh, kind of sign and trade deals that are essentially trading discretionary TAM, which is not a tradable asset. If you sign a player with DTAM, you have to keep him on your books for a year before you can trade him within MLS. Um, And discretionary TAM is TAM that teams have to buy from the league. It doesn't come automatically. Your Um, your ownership has to opt uh, to pay that money. Right. So Pedroso was acquired in July. It is not yet July. And so it would seem from the league that, or from that rule that, Pedroso can't be traded. I'm I'm curious whether the the notion that Dallas will keep the salary on their books uh, for at least this year, because I think I saw on Twitter that he might be guaranteed through next year, next season. Um, I, obviously, this is a lot of speculation. We don't have anything locked down, but no, I wonder if they're they're offering to keep his salary on their books as a way around that. Look, we're not getting rid of, we're not trading the DTAM to someone else we're keeping all of the financial hit on our books we just don't need the player anymore and we'd rather have that first round draft pick yeah i'm sure they're gonna find a way around it uh it's mls they're gonna they're gonna figure out their rules on they're gonna build the airplane while they're flying it like they always do and um yeah they're gonna find a way to make the the money work and to make the rules work and i think it's gonna be fine i mean it's. I, I feel hope like you're this right. Is, I'm this not is, as confident. This is I, I've seen no. I've seen things fall through in this league that seemed like they were done. So until something's actually done, I, I don't have confidence that it's there yet. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it's worth us wasting our time talking about the DTAM on this podcast. Well, we already did. So okay. let's talk about now what he could do for for DC United last week. We talked about Joseph Mora being the rug that tied the room together and and mentioned again this week how United hasn't been able to uh, go into that selective press that worked so well for the first month of the season. Um, it, it just wrecked Atlanta and RSL. Um, and, and also being able to go into that press from a low block and make that transition really hard and really fast was, was huge for DC United. And it, it impressed us. It impressed other people who watch the game, who are probably smarter than us and seem to be United's a really good team. And this is what could differentiate them this year. And that went away after Joseph Mora got hurt. We saw the LAFC game and we've seen the offense even go to crap since then. So could Marquinhos Pedroso be a fix for that? And at least until Mora comes back. Uh, I think to a certain extent, um, he definitely brings the prospect of reinvigorating that back, um, which in turn allows Lucho Acosta to get closer to goal. It allows Paul Ariola to be a full-time winger again. Um, so I, I think it gets, I think it's more important that it gets players back in their best position um, but it does, you know, his recovery speed, um, his ability to make tackles in, in the open field is pretty good. Um, the kind of thing you need that, that ability to defend while having to sprint backwards, uh, which happens when you high press because it doesn't always work. Even the best 
pressure in the world. Sometimes it goes wrong and you've got to turn and chase, you know, for 40 yards to try and prevent anything from happening at your end. Um, I think having that one more player, um, it makes a, for this team, a pretty substantial difference because we know Hara isn't the fastest um, out of the four four two so far. Olsen has preferred Briant over Pines, which means you've got another guy who isn't the fastest. Um, I am curious whether that's going to start changing, though. Yeah, that that's probably up for debate, I think, at this point, because Pines has, has been so good. Um, I am very curious to see, it, you know, Pedroso comes in, I assume um, they'll switch back to the four two three one. At that point, it becomes a test of um, whether Olsen prefers Pines only in the one formation just yet, or if it's a full-time preference. Uh, we're getting to the point where that's going to become undeniable, I think. Um, but I, I don't know if we're there yet in his mind, in my mind, I think we probably are. Um, even though I don't think Brian has been bad by any stretch, um, I would make the move today, but I'm not yeah, running. It helps. Team. It helps that the team hasn't been playing well, but finds themselves in first place. Um, right. obviously Toronto's got the better points per game at this point because of their games in hand, but there's breathing room. There's, there's room to experiment a little bit right now. If you, if you take, if you drop points because you're blooding the potential the 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 high ceiling rookie, then that's that could pay off later, uh, right? In the playoffs, and you get that the better team at the end of the year, which is probably more important than one or two points today. But yeah, I'm that that's just to say I'm with you on. I'd rather see Pines right now, and and so. You know, you you add him in to the the mix um, that further allows taking that risk of stepping higher from time to time or stepping higher more often. Um, And and so I I think once you get that going, it makes it a lot easier on the attack. You don't have to piece together seven or eight passes through an organized defense. You have to piece together three or four passes through a disorganized defense. Um, That is the whole reason why teams high press is because it makes it easier to attack. Um, so I, I think bringing that back is going to solve some real problems. And I, I think some of DC's attacking problem is more, um, for Lucho especially is it just hasn't quite worked out a few times. Um, even in this last couple of games, he's had moments where he did something really nice. Um, there was that, um, that flick against Columbus where he got himself away from his markers, uh, and then hit across for Rooney that Rooney just headed over the bar. I think seeing that one go in instead of going over would have meant a lot to him. Um, I, Same I with his chip that, against Minnesota. Yeah, he, he's in that phase where when he's put it all together and shown us all that skill, he just hasn't caught a break uh, that sometimes you need to get the ball to actually go in. Um, and so some of it, I think, is just down to he's been frustrated a little bit uh, that it just when he does do well, it doesn't work. And that's, you know, it's tough to take. Um so yeah, I think I think it's all it's kind of a perfect storm right now of all these little things adding up to less than satisfactory play. I think it's great news that this hasn't hit them in the standings that they're still atop the East. That's really cool because now you know that when they get it together, they don't have to play catch up. Um, they'll be playing from close to or out out in front. So that's all good to, uh, good to know. But um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be as we've said. Uh, in writing and on this show that Mora is kind of the rug that ties the room together. And um, 
Pedroso could be kind of a new rug. Um, he doesn't have to be outstanding himself. He just has to be good enough to let the system get back to being what it was. And I think also it helps that we've got a couple weeks now between uh, before we have more midweek games. So they've actually got time to train and uh, recuperate and work on new things rather than it just being a, okay, we've got to travel. So we're going to travel and then we're going to do one day walkthrough and then it's you game day again. Um, I think all of those things. Well, they have a week. They have this week. Uh, Um, So hopefully they get it sorted and he gets in here by Thursday. So yeah, he really doesn't have a lot of time yet, but eventually there will be a spell (laughs) with no midweek games. Um, A man can dream. Yeah. We don't dream big here. We just dream of time to sleep. You dream of that. You're the sleepy one in this episode. I really, really am. Sorry, what? Uh, I, I think that's it for this segment. Um, I, I do want to shout out some uh, some people on Twitter because we put out a call for artistic renderings of the uh, Miller High Life God, and and people are coming through big time. So if you uh, if you are artistically inclined and want to submit something there definitely throw it at us on twitter or or send it to our email filibusterpodcast at gmail.com even if you're listening to this uh years in the future uh yes whenever whenever any time if it's if it's 2025 and you are listening to the back catalog of filibuster for some reason uh perhaps because we've become extraordinarily wealthy and famous um then please drop what you're doing and send us a sketch of the god of miller high life (laughs) <laughs> do it right now in the future uh also so much for not dreaming big jason goes in and dreams big this is of, this is gonna solve all of our problems <laughs> i i'm not even gonna try to understand the timey-wimey how there so i'm just going to say we will be right back this is filibuster hey ben um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. A few weeks back, we talked about DC United playing NYCFC twice in rapid succession, all of six weeks between 
United's two games with the Pigeons. Well, now the MLS scheduling gods are laughing at our naivete, uh, putting United's two games against the Columbus crew a mere 10 days apart. United went to Columbus and uh, got a one nothing victory at Mafre Stadium last Wednesday. And this Saturday, they will welcome the crew to Audi Field for the one and only regular season meeting here in 2019. Watch at 8 o'clock Saturday on Flow Sports, if you've got it, or ESPN Plus, if you're outside of the blackout radius, to uh, talk about the game and, I guess, both games, past and uh, future. We've invited our friend Patrick Golden from Massive Report to to help us out. Patrick, welcome back to Filibuster. Well, thanks for having me. You know the drill here. You're a, a returning guest. What are you drinking? Uh, see, I, I, I remembered I had to uh, pull out something to drink, and I was debating about the seltzer water, but I went with a uh, Saucy Brew Works out of, I believe it's uh, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and I'm having the BF Hefe, uh, which is the Bavarian-style Hefeweizen Ale, which is it's just good. Nice. Uh, we Before we recorded, we went into a long side conversation about the German heritage of various parts of Ohio. And I nearly went back into it there with the Bavarian half of Eisen. Instead, I just decided to open the curtain a little bit. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. What do you think of the, uh, this weird scheduling quirk where we, we get each other twice in, in the span of two weeks. So it's happened a couple different times with Columbus because this will be the second game against DC United. Uh, Columbus has already played New England twice. Uh, Later in the season in August, we have uh, the big um, Hell is Real Derby. Uh, And that'll be 15 days between them because it's a Saturday, then Toronto, and then down in Cincinnati on a Sunday. So MLS is uh, the, I don't know why the schedule's been like this, but it, this, you know, the, the Wednesday and then having a, having a weekend break where we get to play, uh, play in Houston and then go back to DC. Um, You know, that's, it's a little bit weird, but it seems pretty common uh, this season for some reason. So are you saying you have the Hell is Real Cup and the Trillium Cup all uh, combobulated together? Uh, Yes. So um, actually, uh, Trillium Cup will not be settled until, off the top of my head, that's October 6th, the last day of the season. So uh, we will have the the first part of it uh, in August. And I don't think we have a cup yet or anything like that. We just have a massive billboard. Uh, to to demarcate the lines between Cincinnati FC Cincinnati and Columbus Crew, so uh, of course the the infamous billboard that sits on along the side of the road on both directions uh, on Interstate seventy one between the two cities. I'd heard of the billboard. I didn't realize that it was the the point of demarcation between Columbus territory and Cincinnati territory. I'm just going to call it that. It's it's about halfway. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it is, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it's near Washington it's, courthouse. Um, yeah, I want to say, I want to say it's right around there, right around the outlet mall, which is, yeah. it, it, it's about halfway. We'll call it about halfway, but yeah. I so up, it's, I grew up seeing it a lot going to a uh, Latin convention in Columbus from Cincinnati, uh, every year from seventh grade to, to through high school. So that's yeah, a, it's, 
Uh, well, so the Southwestern Ohio also had uh, um, Rising Out of the Water Jesus. Or wasn't he in a lake? Touchdown like Jesus. That? Touchdown yeah. Jesus. He was on 75, but yeah. And then he caught fire, and now he they did. have a he different sure Jesus. He sure did. He so, sure caught fire. That's uh, th- things get a little strange south of south of Columbus. Is, is what I'm saying. So yeah, I mean, I came from Cincinnati, so and I'm pretty weird. So yeah, Cincinnati is also pretty weird. And here but I we're not here gonna... to talk about Cincinnati. Yeah, you're we're from Evansville. About... Shush. I was just gonna say we're talking about how the scheduling is weird, and somehow we get into a, a deep dive into Ohio geography. That was not my plan, but. <laughs> I am powerless to stop it. You are. So, so Patrick, how, we haven't talked to you. I don't think since uh, the hashtag changed to saved the crew. How are how are you, and how, how is the fan base adjusting to this this new reality in which you s- continue to exist? Well, I, you know, at some point the the honeymoon was going to be over, and so you had pretty much the end of last season uh, because uh, the the it's happening. You know, put in whatever it's happening gift that you want. Um, when in in October, when they said we have uh, we're we're working towards a sale, and then they had some other things happen throughout the end of the season, and then they had the formal changeover in January. You know that that's really the honeymoon period, and then you have the build up to to the opening game, which you know uh, trying to sell out the stadium and trying to build on that save the crew energy, uh, and and it was it was a good crowd. It was seventeen plus. It was loud. It was engaged. It was it was really a celebratory type thing. But now the the season has hit like a ton of bricks. Um, all of the challenges that you'd have with an owner that um, wasn't really invested in the success of the team maybe last year, um, a changeover in the coaching staff, and uh, so in other teams that may you may you might be left with a technical director or something like that. But Greg Berhalter was the was the beginning and end of soccer operations for the team. And and you have all that new um new ideas, new ways of doing things. And you know it's evolution rather than uh, revolution. But still um you don't have an off season to retool uh, Columbus made just a few acquisitions. They have a backup goalkeeper who might be the starting goalkeeper when Zach Steffen leaves. They made the big Zach Steffen transfer. Um, they have uh, a winger who came in from Brazil, from the the second tier in Brazil, who has you know started off and on throughout the season. But you know um, the the season kind of hit like a ton of bricks, and you know there, there's some positive energy uh, when you know. It, this got off to a hot start, but now a, a fourth straight loss, which, um, you know, you win, uh, you, you, you come into April and you're, you're feeling pretty good. And all of a sudden you lose, um, the first parts, uh, you know, week ahead of a three games in eight days. And then you lose all three in, in eight days. Uh, it really kind of takes the air out of things. And so that honeymoon is, is really kind of over. And now it's down to back to business, back to, you know, winning trophies and seeing how far away you are. You do have that stadium plan, at least to look forward to. Uh, Hopefully that comes through in some kind of good form on the field. uh, How is Caleb Porter changing uh, the way Greg Berhalter approached things for the crew? 
Well, so um, not a lot. So it's it's really that evolution. It's he 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 says he sees a good team, um, and he wants to try to accentuate what they do well. Um, so we we want to um, really kind of take a look at this roster that that really didn't get a changeover. It's starting to get a little bit older, and so there's going to be some questions around players like Federico Iguain, who's 34. Um, you know, Porter's very high on him and, and what he's able to do. And if you saw the game uh, that the crew played against Houston when Iguain was uh, was omitted entirely, that offense didn't look very good. You have Pedro Santos, who's, who's turned good, but he you know, he's 30. You have uh, Justin Miram, also 30, who is um, really lost his form. And uh, you're left with Giassi Zardes, who really kind of feeds on you know, scoring goals that, that other people set up for him. He's not going to really create his own goals. And and you have a team that he's carried over what Burhalter's done, but this is also a team in need of refresh. Patrick, uh, the crew had a uh, cracking start to the season, and then they've lost, I think, four straight. Uh, what's been the, the, the primary difference between the two many halves of, the, of this season so far for the team? So uh, it's really the same thing. Every game has really come off the same way. This is a a team that struggles offensively Um, across the front four. Things aren't quite as sharp as they need to be. Uh, A lot of things need to go right uh, for them to to create a lot of uh, attacking chances. And so the margin for error is a little bit slimmer than a team like, you know, to to go completely opposite uh, LAFC, which, you know, they create chances by the boatload. Uh, so, but the one thing that, that was happening was, you know, if the crew got a lead or, or um, held uh, the game close, the, the defense has remained very, very good. Even, you know, when they're losing three, one against Portland, uh, that was a case where you're pushing forward. You, you have, uh, you have some things go wrong as you're pushing forward and you get counterattacked and, and you give up a goal. Um, or uh, two nothing against Houston, uh, the defense still um, for for everything really came down and, and and performed well. A lot of those decisions are just going against the crew rather than uh, them edging a one zero win. It's more of a one one draw or now um, you know a one zero loss against Montreal or one zero loss against uh, DC United uh, when the team absolutely is struggling to score goals that defense has to be perfect. And, you know, even when it's uh, not just, just once, um, you know, things fall apart. Do you think that's sustainable once Zach Steffen goes to England this summer? So I think that this team is very good defensively without Zach Steffen. Steffen is a, is a phenomenal keeper and he has really grown into his role in the two plus now almost three years that he'll be here by the time he transfers away. Um, you know, he, he joined in 2016, uh, saw time with Pittsburgh and then took the starting spot in 2017 and, and then 2018. Uh, so he's, he's really kind of grown into that, into being a, a superb shot stopper and organizer of the defense. So this is nothing against him, but, um, another guy who, who's come in and really changed around, uh, what people thought of him, what fans really thought of him was Jonathan Mensa. Uh, he has been a fantastic, uh, you know, defender in MLS circles for the past couple of years. You know, he, he's still prone to an error, um, but 
it, it's 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 still exceptionally solid. And then you have somebody like Will Trap ahead of him, and Artur, who you know Artur struggled offensively, but those two defensively really shape the game and make things a whole lot easier for for the back line. So. One, I don't think they're giving up a lot of good chances, and and Zach Steffen makes them look even better than what they are. Um, I think this is still a good defensive team without Zach. Um, not quite as good because you know Joe Bendick, uh, you know John Kemp, and they're they're not going to be able to replicate what he's able to do. So, my last question for right now uh, it stays in the defensive phase of the game. Uh, We've all, I feel like all of us who are uh, MLS fans and who are U.S. men's national teams fans have feelings about Ricardo Clark. And I'm just wondering is he carrying the team? Is Will Trap carrying him? How is Ricardo Clark doing? Is he like, I haven't thought about him in a while. So is how, how is it just, how is he doing right now? Um, I think Rico has really, um, found his role uh, for this crew team. He he is the third midfield, third central midfielder, uh, with two Ironmen in front of him. And so uh, Rico got a a start um, in Houston, uh, homecoming of sorts, when Artur was held out of the eighteen entirely. Will Trap played, um, I think, every minute of the entire week. He he's phenomenally fit. Um, you know, Rico, he is, he's really the, the guy that kind of steps in when they need rotation, when they need a little bit of defensive metal. He, he is, you know, at his age, not a, a full 90 minute every week kind of guy at this point, but he is, um, he, he, he's very good at stepping in and, and playing a limited role and playing a veteran role that, that what he does that still leaves the crew very, um, thin at that position. You know, uh, Will Trap was was you know, uh, I think it was uh, not Bristol City. The um, I'm blanking on it. Uh, Blackburn uh, bid one point two million, one point five million for him last year, and there will be people looking at him. I think he has improved his stock over the course of the last year. Uh, his national team appearances have been pretty good, uh, and his appearances for the crew have been pretty good. That uh, you know, I think that if Rico Clark is is asked to do more than what he's doing for this Columbus crew team. That will be a big problem. Uh, Patrick, I know um, when DC played in Columbus, there was sort of a weird incident where Artur went down. It looked like he winced and afterwards was sort of holding his chest. Um, And then he played on for a while and he subbed off. Um, I noticed he didn't play against Houston, but I, covering all of our games, I haven't had a chance to really look into it. Uh, do you know what happened there and whether that's a, like a long-term injury or if that's just a, a brief thing that he'll be back for this week? I, I think, um, I think he's expected to be available. Um, I ha- actually don't have any details on that one. Uh, he, he didn't show up necessarily on the injury report. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything that he was, um, necessarily held out of practice. Um, of the two midfielders, he's often rotated earlier. Um, so, so on this crew team, um, Jossi Zardes can run all day. Uh, Will Trap can run all day. The, these are two players that you're going to have to 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 
practically carry off the field. Um, Artur, um, he'll tend to get rotated a little bit. So if he's carrying a bit of a knock, which didn't show up in the injury report and it wasn't really necessarily holding him out, mm. um, it, it wasn't a case where uh, it was a case where even if he was, he was more likely to be rotated even without that injury. And so uh, it, it was, I remember seeing that it was, it was very odd. Um, and, and, but it, it wasn't expected to be a big deal. Um, speaking of the, the Houston match, um, I know this was a, like a lot of teams um, that had to play midweek and then they had an out of conference game on the weekend. Uh, Caleb Porter opted to rotate uh, in a few spots, uh, given that the results haven't been going any in the right direction for the crew, I assume that there are some spots that might be a little more op- up for grabs right now. Uh, did any of the guys that rotate in do anything that would really move the needle for them uh, getting into the starting lineup when they've had some time to rest? Uh, so I don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we look at that lineup that played in Houston. You had uh, uh, Lalas Abubakar who came in uh, with uh, um for his first appearance of the season, and he gives up a ball that that turns into a goal in the third minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's that's not going to get you um, any sort of uh, more minutes on the on the field. You have Rico Clark coming in, and you know he he's obviously slowed down quite a bit, and you know his role is not going to necessarily serve Artur or Will Trap. Uh, Rubinho and, and Justin Miram played on the wings. Uh, the offense looked terrible until Pedro Santos came in and Eduardo Sosa, who came in for Iguin, um, you know, he, he was, he really struggled to make an impact on the game. He, uh, um, couldn't necessarily find the ball. Mm-hmm. And once he did find the ball, um, nothing was really happening for him. And, and part of that is playing, you know, with, without the full first team, but you know, you, you still have Jossie Zardes to work with. Uh, Justin Miram and and Rubinho have been starting relatively um, often for this for this club. So uh, I, I think that's that's also the other thing that happens is that um, this team will often play the first eleven. And and uh, you know, Caleb Porter said, you know, I, I'm I believe in my eleven, and the eleven's going to have to do it. Um, I think that's you know belief in the starting lineup. I also think that's um, a, a little bit of concern about the depth of this team. That when you're looking, uh, Pedro Santos has produced. Iguin off uh, obviously creates offense. Even when he's having a bad game, there could be something that he does that, that he creates offense and, and makes something happen. And you know, below Jossi Zardes, even though he's gone cold, uh, 19 goals last year is still a, a significant total. He mm-hmm. he has played fairly well and he is tireless. Uh, Patrick Mullins really hasn't created in his um, created any goal scoring in his time, and JJ oh, Williams has been. Yeah, I, I I like Mullins. I like his skill set. Um, he he Literally. has not fit in as well as I would have thought with how this team operates. I thought you know with his uh, intelligence, with his with his savvy about how to to find seams and and do things uh, without the ball. I thought he would be a little bit more impactful, but it really hasn't happened for him. So I'm, I'm a little surprised by that, frankly. Um, you know, I think maybe the, the obvious thing uh, that is going to come to mind when any, anyone looks at Columbus right now is just the ball's not going in. They aren't getting many goals. They aren't even really getting that many good chances. They're getting a lot of shots, but not really a lot of chances. I, 
was just looking at um, the shot chart against the Dynamo, and it's almost all long range shots. Um, if there's one one player in the mix that could change that right now, is there anyone out there that you think maybe um, could you know step in? I know Nico Hansen had a preseason injury. Maybe is he going to um, get his shot? So I think I think Nico is an interesting guy uh, in that he is a little bit different than than what they have normally. So last year, especially, he was the player who had speed and could change the game by playing a little bit more directly. Um, you lose something defensively with him out there um, mm-hmm. compared to say Santos or, or, or Miram. Um, but, you know, someone who's, who's able to try, kind of change the game, uh, you know, as he regains his fitness and his legs, uh, he is a little bit of an X factor in that he's able to do things. Another, another uh, guy that I think is, is a little bit interesting. He's a little bit limited. I think right now, judging by what I've seen from him on loan is JJ Williams. He's a, uh, mm-hmm. Six three six four striker. He's he's very powerfully built, and if Columbus moves, you know, you're you're gonna have to take time away from Justice Artis, barring a formation shift uh, during periods of the game where you're trying to throw more bodies forward. Um, the the guys created opportunities wherever he's gone in in limited minutes, and you know he he will get on the end of walls. He will uh, play well in hold up play, and he will. Um, you know, he'll, he'll get to a lot of aerial challenges. So I think that, you know, he hasn't got a lot of minutes and he wasn't even on the bench in, um, in Houston. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, hasn't been in the rotation, but he scored twice for Birmingham on loan. Um, he, uh, had a couple great chances against Philly when he was brought in for his uh, first appearance. And then he, um, you know, I, I thought he made his presence known against, uh, Portland, uh, by getting on the end of a lot of stuff. So, so he's an interesting guy. I don't know if he's going to see the lineup given some of the limitations in his game right now, um, but he has a chance to change things um, more as a super sub. So Patrick, I've got one, uh, one more uh, question that bubbled up into my head. Uh, we've mentioned Justin Miram and he's been on kind of a precipitous decline since his, uh, since before he was traded to uh, Orlando city. Uh, do you think, do you think he can turn it around or is this the new Justin Miram and this is the way he's going to be uh, going forward? He's not going to be the 13 goal, seven assist guy anymore. So Justin, um, I, I, I have really struggled with what Justin Miram is supposed to be, um, you know, starting to get past his prime, you know, when to start to hit 30, uh, you know, some of those, those moves aren't quite as quick. Um, you know his go-to moves. I don't know if, if if players have just seen this or if it's just not coming off. Um, when when he does his uh, the what's called the quote unquote meat hook, he 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 dives in from the left and he cuts in on his right foot and then bends a, a curler. Um, you just you know you could rely on seeing that every every at least a couple games, and you, you don't see that. You we see used to him call try- that the Pontius special around here. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one, too. But um, you, you don't see him effectively taking on guys like you did. Um, you don't see him uh, really being able to uh, play a lot of those, those interconnected passes that you know, he's just not quite as sharp. And uh, Justin's very much a confidence player, but um, 
I, it, it seems like even more than that. And sure, his time in Orlando really didn't work out for him. Uh, or that, you know, as uh, as the 2017 season came to a close, you know, he, he kind of lost a little bit of that that uh, um, that that cutting edge, and you know, he he may be in, he may have been overperforming to get to to 13 goals, seven assists. Uh, but he was still, you know, close to a, a first eleven player, and now um, he's not even necessarily the impact sub to even try to to claw in for more time. Yeah. I, I, I I'm at a loss for figuring out what his true level is, and I don't know if this is the new normal, but uh, it's it makes me a little bit sad to to think how quickly you know that could fade. Meditations on mortality is what people really come to filibuster for. Players getting old. Father time is undefeated, man. I like to end these these talks by by asking you to um, kind of betray your your loyalties for a little bit and help us game plan against your team. So if you were in the visiting technical area the visiting locker room at Mafre Stadium what would you be focusing on for the game against the crew uh well so when when, when I'm looking at this team um you know I I I try to to say I'm going to pick my times to to move forward um because I don't I I don't necessarily need to worry necessarily a bunch about the crew offense and so you know not necessarily flood the zone but really Look at someone like um, the wingbacks who they played every minute in a system uh, with uh, without um, a lot. You know they have to run a lot, and you know even though they have a week off, um, they're they're asked to do an awful lot. So I would try to probe those those edges of the zone. Uh, I would try to um, pull someone like Artur around a little bit because Artur uh, is very rangy uh, and the defense really relies on him quite a bit, but you know, your wings are really going to be where you're going to be able to make a lot of a, um, uh, some of those initial attacks as Columbus may be pressing for, for some sort of goal to really try to get something going that getting in behind Waylon Francis or, or Hector Jimenez, um, you know, in, in place of Harrison awful, are those uh, ways that you can kind of stretch the the center backs laterally, or or your midfielders laterally, and then opening up areas that you can kind of you know, move centrally? Because you know you have Acosta, you have Rooney, you have the firepower to to kind of make things happen. You can uh, see things that that uh, other players aren't going to see. So it, it's really trying to create just those momentary mismatches that way. All right, Patrick, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online if they don't already follow you. I am at GoldenMR, G-U-L-D-A-N-M-R, uh, on Twitter. Um, and then MassiveReport.com is where we write all our stuff. Find us at BlackAndRedUnited.com. We're on Twitter at BlackAndRedU for the website, at FilibusterDCU for the podcast, uh, the podcast account also has all our personal Twitter accounts in the bio. So, so check that out. If you want to follow any of us individually support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Um, we've got some 
bonus content there and we're always we're, we're working on some some more uh send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com especially if you have artist renditions of the god of miller high life uh, obviously that's a good place to to send them find us wherever you get your podcasts ratings reviews subscriptions i'm not sure what else you would do on on those sites i would suggest against sacrificing animals for instance on on a podcast app i don't know how you would do it but if you find a way don't do it just follow us and and uh subscribe to the podcast mostly though tell a friend about the show that's the best way to get the word out much better than sacrificing animals as it turns out that's it for this week uh thanking patrick once again for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason Adam, how did you get into sacrificing animals trying to get out of the show? I'm really tired, Jason. Adam, don't sacrifice animals. I'm not. I'm anti that. Anti that.